1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: The oldest president the U.S. has ever seen is running again.
0: He's a little old.
2: And if I can't join the army at
1: 58, I don't think he should run the country at 80. And how old will he be? 84?
2: 86, actually, if he finishes out a second term.
1: It's too old. Definitely too old.
2: Joe Biden's announcement has drawn mixed reactions.
0: I'm I'm really excited. So I'm super excited that he's running this, uh, this term. Uh, Primarily because, you know, as a gay man, you know, a lot of my rights with the other parties can be in jeopardy.
1: I think listening to his announcement, there wasn't anything new and he didn't talk about what he was going to do going forward. It was all directed at President Trump.
0: It's either that or like, you know, a march into like a fascist nightmare, (laughs) basically.
2: polls at least at the moment point to Donald Trump being the Republican candidate again and if Joe Biden is almost certainly going to be reconfirmed as the Democratic nominee we've a 2020 rerun is that what people want
0: there're only 6% of Americans that would like to see both Trump and Biden run wow 6% we're hurtling toward a rematch that nobody seems to want well 6% do i guess
2: You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Luke Jones. Today, are we heading for a Biden-Trump rematch?
3: I'm Alistair Dauber, the Washington correspondent to The Times and The Sunday Times.
2: And what did you think, Alistair, when President Biden finally declared he was going to run again.
3: Well, it wasn't a surprise. In truth, he's been suggesting for months now that he's going to ask for a second term. And there have been various dates, actually, when we thought he might have thrown his hat formally into the ring. He had a very good midterms in November, and everyone thought he might capitalise on that by declaring. In January, he did the State of the Union Address, this annual address to a joint session of Congress, And that went very well. And people thought he might uh, use that as a springboard to declare. And then a few weeks ago as well, there was a date in the diary where people thought, this is, he's going to go. But it it happened to coincide with Donald Trump being indicted in New York and him taking Uh. up most of the headlines. So then I guess we shouldn't have been surprised. I mean, Tuesday Mm. was the fourth anniversary of when he declared in 2019. So, I mean, it was all all nice and symmetrical. And maybe that's the, the date that he had in mind all the time.
2: But he's been teasing you, maybe somewhat. Um, When it finally did come, it was this. It was quite a slick video. Tell us about that and what you made of it. It was a slick video.
3: They've been making it for a while. Freedom,
0: personal freedom, is fundamental to who we are as Americans.
3: There's nothing more important,
0: nothing more sacred. That's been the work of my first term to fight for our democracy.
3: He spent the weekend at Camp David going through the final edits a few days before, and it was released at six o'clock in the morning on the American East Coast.
1: This is not a time to be complacent.
0: That's why I'm running for re-election.
3: And it was slick. It went through some of his successes. It showed him... Sort of meeting and greeting lots of people, lots of smiling faces, clapping, lots of adulation for Joe Biden. But it also, I think, warned of some of the things or sort of the dangers if Joe Biden isn't elected. He talks a lot now about MAGA Republicans, those on the right of the Republican Party that backed Donald Trump. And it opened with scenes of January the 6th, 2021, when a lot of Trump supporters tried to stop the certification of Biden becoming president a few days later. It had lots of images of Kamala Harris, which will be controversial in some quarters because she's not been seen as a particularly successful vice president. But it also talked about Joe Biden finishing the job. Uh, That seems to be the sort of Mm. catch line that's been taken out of the video.
2: And on the appearance of of Kamala Harris, the the current vice president that you Mm. mentioned, how big a, a surprise was that? Him suggesting, as you say in this video, that she's going to be his running mate if he gets the nomination again this time around?
3: Well, on the one hand, it's not a surprise because Kamala Harris was brought in to the ticket for a particular reason. She is very good on some of the progressive issues like abortion and and voting rights and so forth. Uh, and as a woman of color, she brings a constituency to Biden's campaign that that he doesn't have. Having said that, she hasn't been a terribly successful vice president. Uh, approval ratings are lower than his. Some of the jobs that she's been given, most notably to stem the tide of people coming across the southern border. She's essentially failed at. But he's sticking with her. I don't think anyone was really ever seriously considered as an alternative.
2: Now, although it's overwhelmingly likely that Joe Biden's going to get the Democrat nomination again to run for president, there are other hats in the ring. Two hats which I'm not ashamed to say, (laughs) Alastair, I'd never heard of in my life.
1: Who are they? Well, there's Marianne Williamson. I'm Marianne Williamson, and when I was growing up, America had a vibrant middle class.
3: Who I would forgive anyone for not hearing of before.
1: The average American worker had decent benefits, could afford a home, could afford a car, could afford a yearly vacation, could afford for one member of the couple to stay home if they wished.
3: She's a long-standing democratic activist from uh, the progressive wing of the party. She has been critical of Biden.
1: We all owe President Biden a debt of gratitude for defeating President Trump in 2020. But with the things that they're gonna be throwing at us in 2024, we need to submit to the American people an agenda of fundamental economic reform, universal health care, tuition-free colleges at state colleges and
3: universities. So she's throwing her hat into the ring. And then the other name, uh, you'll certainly know the name if you don't know the person, Robert Mm -hmm. F. Kennedy Jr. He's the son of Robert Kennedy, RFK, and the nephew of JFK.
0: I've come here today. ...to announce my candidacy for the Democratic nomination for President of the United States.
3: So he's not really much like his sort of famous family, though. He's a vermin anti-vaxxer and a bit of a sort of fringe character. My
0: mission over the next 18 months of this campaign and over my throughout my presidency will be to end the corrupt merger of state and corporate power that is threatening now... Al- is threatening now to impose a new kind of corporate feudalism on our country. To commoditize our children, our Purple Mountain's majesty. To poison our our children and our people with with chemicals and pharmaceutical drugs to strip mine our assets to hollow out the middle class and keep us in a constant state of war.
3: These are I mean, essentially publicity stunts for niche causes. Yeah. People will get the opportunity to vote, and no doubt these guys will tour places like New Hampshire and Iowa in order to drum up support. But it's attention-seeking. It's not something that's taken particularly seriously. Mm. And I think we're very much not here from any of the big beasts in the Democrat Party who cover the White House.
2: And explain to us who they are, those bigger beasts, and why they haven't decided to get involved this time around.
3: Well, first of all, it's hugely divisive for a strong candidate to challenge a sitting president. And the Democratic Party remembers the election of 1980 when Ted Kennedy, another member of the Kennedy clan, challenged Jimmy Carter. It made the party look hugely divided, weakened Carter's position, and he lost heavily to Reagan in 1980. But there are names. There are big names in the Democrat Party who cover the White House. As I say, Kamala Harris is one of them. And maybe for her, that's an incentive to stick around to Joe mm. Biden. But there are others. Uh, there are three sort of prominent governors. There's J.B. Pritzker in Illinois, Gavin Newsom in California, and Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of Michigan. They all want to be president, but they know that Joe Biden's only got four years left rather than rot the boat now. They see their chances better served a bit later on. And could
2: they crop up later in the race, maybe? Or are they, are they just keeping stum, Or have they said, no, I'm not running this time around?
3: Well, look, I mean, the elephant in the room with Joe Biden is his age, which I know we'll get to mm. shortly. Joe Biden has declared himself a candidate and everyone will now rally around Joe Biden. But it's still, you know, almost 18 months until the presidential election. It's over 12 months until Biden's candidature is rubber-stamped by the Democratic Convention. If something were to happen to Biden, he was incapacitated in some way or or was unwell or changed his mind, you can absolutely see these guys joining a rat race. But again, for the moment, all these guys are very much going to rally around Biden and try and get him across the line.
2: So as things stand then, how's it actually going to play out for for Joe Biden? Do we go through a full primary process again, or is he just rubber-stamped as Yep, you again, please.
3: There is a primary process and Democratic voters, in, in, first of all in South Carolina and then Iowa and other states will all vote. But Biden probably won't do any special campaigning in these states. He will expect, and I think you know, quite reasonably, that he'll be backed by the vast majority of, of party members. And then we'll get to the convention in Chicago in August next year and he will formally accept the party's nomination so there will be a voting process there will be a a primary process but it'll have far fewer fireworks than on the republican side and biden all things remaining equal will quite comfortably sail to victory i think
2: Uh, and what do we know about the polling around his support not just within within his own party but i guess more broadly as well
3: well his approval rating is at about 43 percent nationally which is low, but equally, you know, not too bad. It's about the same as where Barack Obama was, a little bit higher, in fact, at the same stage in his presidency. It's well ahead of Donald Trump. It's actually ahead of Reagan, two and a half years or so into his presidency. I mean, Reagan went on to win every one apart from one state in the following election. So, you know, the approval rating is not great, but it's also not bad. The issue around Biden largely is his age, as much as anything else, people are keen to see sort of that handing over to a new generation. That's not going to happen. And so I think Democrats will swing behind Biden very strongly.
2: And since that announcement, what kind of a reaction has there been to the confirmation he's going to run again from not just folks on his own side, but also from people who he might be facing on the other side as well?
3: Sure. I mean, even before he announced, a few hours before he announced, Donald Trump, who is his likely challenger, put out a press release saying he's ruining the country. Biden was one of the worst presidents we've ever had, part of a left wing cabal that's destroying American values. That's to be expected. Lots of Democrats have responded to the video saying it was a slick operation. It was good. I think it will have gingered up some of his support within the Democratic Party. Uh, Ron DeSantis, another Republican who may well end up as his challenger. He was on a world tour last weekend, ending on Friday. So he's been out of the picture a little bit. But there'll be reactions as we go and there'll be a lot of opposition on the Republican side for sure.
2: Coming up, from the moment he declared Joe Biden became the presumptive nominee. But looking beyond that, what are his actual chances of winning the presidency again? That's in a moment.
1: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things.
0: I'm David Badil. I'm a writer and a comedian and a Jew.
1: I'm Saeed Varsi.
2: I'm a businesswoman and a politician and a Muslim. Jews and Muslims always seem to be in the news or on the news. Most people talk about us, and this is us talking about ourselves. The kind of things that people say don't touch, yeah. we are going to go there.
1: I mean, I think Jews and Muslims are talking about these things, but I think they're not talking about them together because they're worried that if they do, sparks might fly. A Muslim and a Jew go there. Find us wherever you get your podcasts.
0: So, Alistair, Joe
2: Biden has confirmed that he's going to run again for president. It's something of a foregone conclusion that he's going to win the Democrat nomination again and face another general election. If he were with us today, could you channel him for us? What would he say in terms of his case for running again and the achievements that he could continue achieving? You can leave out the folksy anecdotes.
3: I've got to say, we probably wouldn't be able to cram Joe Biden talking about his achievements into less than an hour. But he he will point to a lot of things, both from a domestic agenda and overseas as well. He has passed some really quite significant legislation.
1: Breaking news right now on Capitol Hill, where the Senate just passed the $1 trillion infrastructure bill this morning, with strong bipartisan support. Our success on the infrastructure bill is a tribute to President Biden. He really made the difference.
3: He's building new roads, new bridges. He's building car charging points for electric cars, which he thinks will help the US meet its emissions targets.
1: The Build Back Better bill is passed.
3: (laughs) He's put money into Medicare that will help to lower drug costs for elderly people.
0: Celebrating on the House floor after narrowly passing President Biden's more than $1.6 trillion social and climate spending bill, which includes hundreds of billions of dollars in climate investments, universal pre-K, and provisions to lower healthcare costs.
3: I mean, several trillion dollars worth of spending.
1: This bill is monumental. It's historic, it's transformative, it's bigger than anything we've ever done.
3: Which, given the Republican Party's aversion to public spending, the fact that he's got these bills across the line, he's negotiated them all, he's, you know, spent late nights with holdout members of the House and the Senate to get these bills across the line, he, he would say that that's a huge success. He'd also talk about the economy more generally. Inflation spiked last year. Now, the White House blames the war in Ukraine and supply chain issues after COVID. But because of his policies, he says inflation is now under control and prices of things like food, and albeit that they're still rising quite quickly, and gasoline prices, he argues that they've come down because of the uh, actions he's taken. He talks about Ukraine. He thinks that the Americans, and they've spent about $77 billion so far supporting the war in Ukraine. He says that he's led an international coalition on standing up to Russia and that Russia would now have taken the whole of Ukraine were it not for American support. And politically, he can talk about the midterms. I mean, Joe Biden was expected to get trounced at the midterms in November last year. and The Democrats managed to hold the Senate. It was the most successful set of midterms for sitting president in 20 years. So there's lots of things that Joe Biden can point to and say, you know, I'm in charge. I've got Washington working again. Everything's yeah. normal again now after Donald Trump's years. And uh, that's why I deserve a second term.
0: Mm.
2: And as you say, he, he can show the receipts on various uh, bits of legislation he's been able to get through Congress. He can point to electoral victories he's already had in his presidential cycle with, with the midterms. Taking all of that into account, what is the case against him? And I guess is the first thing what we've already slightly touched on is, is, is the age factor.
3: Right. I mean, the biggest argument against a second Biden term is his age. He's the only person, the only man who's ever been male president, to occupy the White House in his 80s. Should he serve a full second term? And the White House last week said that he intended to serve a full second term right to January 2029. He'll be 86 when he left office. A lot of people think that that's just simply too old to have what is assumed to be the most demanding job on the planet. You know, when he was elected in 2020, don't forget, most of America was shut down because of COVID. So the campaign Mm. took place essentially from his basement, from his house in Delaware. This time, he'll be expected to crisscross the country, make several campaign speeches, often in the same day in different states, having taken quite long flights. I mean, this would test the stamina of a much, much younger politician not least someone in their 80s. And, you know, Joe Biden's been around and a a figure in American politics for an awfully long time. And if you look at film of him 15, 20 years ago, he's evidently sharper. He's evidently brighter. He moves a lot more easily.
2: And have you noticed that when you've, I don't know, had to to sit through a long speech he's done or or seen an extended Q&A that he's done with people, is it different to what we see in the, in the short news clips or even lots of the TikTok compilations that I end up seeing of him you know, losing his thread in a sentence or something? Is it, is it noticeable? Is it awkward?
3: Yes, it is. Joe Biden has a stammer and for his entire political career has, to an extent, blamed his lack of fluidity, if you like, when he speaks on his stammer. But it, 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 it's not quite that. There's an example last year when he was doing a a presentation at the White House on one particular issue, and he he asked a a member of Congress to stand up, to be applauded for all her work in this particular policy area.
0: I want to thank all of you here for including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative... Jackie, are you here? Where's
3: Jackie? Now, very sadly, this member of Congress had been killed in a car crash some months earlier. And he was sort of standing on the stage saying, where's Jackie? Where's Jackie? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was, was going to be here. And everyone was sort of looking around thinking, how, how does he not remember this? And that just highlights, I think, that, you know, he is an old man. And then for every gaffe he makes, people link it to his age and question his suitability mm-hmm. for office.
2: Does the strength of that factor though depend on who he's up against in in the actual election? I mean, if it's Trump who's in his seventies or Ron DeSantis who's in his what forties? Is it?
3: That's right. Ron DeSantis is forty four and obviously a lot more sprightly. Now the polls at the moment on the Republican side indicate that Trump is the overwhelming favourite to win the Republican nomination and. You find very, very few Americans who want to match up of Trump against Biden as it was in 2020. Nobody wants that, but that appears to be where we're heading. Trump will be 78 at the time of the election next year, only three years younger than Biden. He has also slowed down. I mean, he's not the same guy that ran for the presidency in 2016. He sometimes loses his place in speeches. It's very, very much hurting our country. Germany tried it, you know. Germany tried it. They were up for about a year. Remember I sent to uh, Angela? Remember Angela? Do you remember Angela? Nobody's remembering her now. So Biden's age might be a factor if he's up against the 44-year-old Ron DeSantis, but maybe voters won't take it into account so much if he's up against the 78-year-old Donald Trump. You know, they'll just think there are two old guys standing there on stage and the choice is a difficult one to make.
2: So looking forward, age is definitely going to be a factor, but also mm. looking backwards into what he's done already as president, there are some big, challenging missteps which any opponent is going to want to capitalise on.
3: Yeah. I mean, part of the video that was released last week, Joe Biden's message is essentially: judge me on what I've done, and he will accentuate the positives. There are things that have gone terribly badly as well.
0: well for you,
2: For 20 years, Afghanistan has had stability, democracy and relative safety. It's all ended in a
3: matter of days. The withdrawal from Afghanistan in August 2021 was nothing short of a chaotic disaster.
0: I can't believe the world abandoned Afghanistan. (laughs) Our friends are going to get killed. They're going to kill us. Our women are not going to have any more rights.
3: Biden didn't communicate with with allies, including the UK, that he wanted to move as quickly as he did. At Kabul airport, the desperation is dangerous. An American military transport plane on the runway this morning, mobbed by Afghans trying to flee their country. You had scenes of people jumping onto and then falling off aircraft as as they took off. Eventually, the plane takes off. Moments later, as it gains altitude, it appears that two people fall to the ground. It absolutely damaged, fundamentally, Biden's foreign policy credentials. It sort of left a dark shadow over the American 20-year campaign in Afghanistan. I mentioned inflation. Yes, he's brought inflation down, but he was also... In the hot seat when inflation spiked and so people will blame him for that and one of the big problems and one of the things that really hasn't solved is the situation on the southern border the huge southern border of mexico which pretty much from day one has been largely unguarded and millions of people have just walked across the us border and i've been down there a few times to various places in texas on the southern border and it really is just completely open it's extremely easy to walk across parts of the Rio Grande River from Mexico and then back into the US without any challenge at all, and that's something that you know people feel that it's unguarded. They feel unprotected. You know there are lots of drugs that coming across the southern border, and there are lots of undocumented people, and people are worried about it. So that's that's really going mm. to hamper him, I think, at the next election. One
2: thing we haven't mentioned yet, Alistair, is which I guess to go back to the video that he released when he confirmed he was going to run again, is this idea of saving democracy. You've already mentioned how he wants to take a a stand against MAGA, make America great again, sort of Trump supporters. But amidst all of those actual tangible policies, is this theme again of, I need to save our very democracy from, from forces trying to undermine it?
3: Every time Donald Trump speaks, he says that the 2020 election was stolen. It wasn't. There's no evidence to support that at all. But Biden wants to hit back on these things. You know, he looks back to January the 6th. The the video started with scenes of January the 6th, 2021, when the mob tried to overturn what was happening in the Capitol. The Capitol is a very symbol of democracy in America. He sees himself as being at the vanguard of this effort to protect democracy against the likes of Donald Trump and other MAGA Republicans who see power, he says, mm. simply as something that should be grabbed.
2: And is that argument, you need me, Joe Biden, to save our democracy, even stronger this time round? Because... Since he first deployed that in the last election, what we've had, as you mentioned, the storming of the Capitol, we've had Donald Trump repeating all of his lies about the election being stolen. So actually, he can sort of spin that same record again. And is it fair to say it could have a greater impact?
3: That's exactly what he's doing. And people that are against Trump are very much worried about what the Republican Party that he leads will do. You know, people underestimate Trump all the time, and he's got such a powerful following he's got the party in an absolute grip he is I mean to a lot of people he is still the president
2: it's likely that it, it's going to be Biden versus Trump isn't it correct me if I'm wrong and yes. and does the prospect of of, have, of having an opponent like Trump again actually really whip the Democrats more into shape after a few years where there have been noises off and, and complaints and quibbles underneath Joe Biden?
3: I think that's absolutely right. First of all, the polls indicate that that Donald Trump will be the Republican candidate. I mean, he has lots of legal issues in the next few months that he'll have to overcome. But it seems that every time there's a legal issue that could trip him up, actually, his position is strengthened and it galvanises his supporters. There are lots of complaints within the Democratic Party about Joe Biden. On the left, they don't think he's done enough to protect things like abortion. On the right, they don't think he's done enough to protect American jobs. So he faces opposition and criticism within the party. That said, I think, as you suggest, these arguments will melt away as we get closer to the election next year. We can talk all we we like about other Democrats wanting to be the candidate for president. We can talk all we like about Biden's age. The fact that he is the sitting president gives him a huge advantage. And it's been a lot less likely that he would stand down and allow someone else to take on the mantle than him standing himself. And what that means, of course, is that it makes it likely, possible, probable, that it will be Biden and Trump again in 2024 a lot of people will see that as a as an existential election for the sort of future America we're going to see and you know many in the center and on the left will put aside worries about Biden's age and record and hold their nose and back him simply because they don't want to see a return of Donald Trump to the white house
2: You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times. With me, Luke Jones, and my guest, Washington correspondent for The Times and The Sunday Times, Alistair Dauber. If you are a subscriber, you can read all of Alistair's coverage of the 2024 presidential race, including a deeper look at some of those Democratic big beasts he mentioned, the ones that went from formidable would-be challengers to loyal Biden defenders the moment his announcement came down. This episode was produced by Taryn Siegel. The executive producer is Kate Ford and sound design was by David Crackles. If you can, leave us a review, a nice one. It helps other people find us. And if you have a story you think we should be covering, an idea for a future episode, or you've just got thoughts on what you've heard, you can send us an email, at times.co.uk. Goodbye.